This is Thrive Perspectives, an ever-growing discussion about the issues and ideas that shape our lives with your guide, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. Morning, Connell. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Stu. We've just had uh, a fairly significant conversation before we even turned on the microphones. As usual. uh, Yeah. Uh, there wasn't any blood, thankfully, a few bruises, but otherwise we're, we're doing okay. It was a pretty so. civil conversation, <laughs> I thought. <laughs> well, you, were, you know, slamming doors you were talking about there, kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, great to have you with us as we continue our Thrive Perspective series looking at the Christian worldview. And Matt and Connor, we're going to pick up a bit of the conversation from where we left off uh, in our last episode, where we were talking a bit about the limitations of language and mm-hmm. how we can, how, how we can use language and how language can sometimes um, be difficult to use to explain things that are in mm. an open system as opposed to a closed system, which yep. language is. And uh, it got us to this point at the end of the conversation. And in fact, again, we had a convo after the podcast about how where that leaves us in relation to apologetics when mm. we're trying to have conversations with those who have potentially either no interest in faith at one extreme and, and really maybe an opportunity opens up to have a conversation with them or other people at the other end of the spectrum mm. who are actually legitimately and genuinely searching how we have those conversations within a sense without falling back into the trap of trying to provide logic and reason for what we believe mm. uh, when sometimes these things as my favorite word from last week are ineffable we can't really mm. explain them there is mystery and where that leaves us in those conversations with you know other people who are used to a world that requires this sort of materialistic or provable evidence uh, of of anything being real yeah so first of all, talking about faith is one of the most important things. It, it is essentially what in the Bible, when it talks about praise the Lord and all the earth, it's talking about, you know, rave about God, talk about God with everyone and talk about how good God is. Uh, that is also evangelism. Evangelism is a very important part of the New Testament mandate to go and make disciples of all the nations. It involves talking about something. We are the messengers of the good news, but we're more than messengers. Uh, we're witnesses to the good news. We're first-hand witnesses. And, and we've talked in previous episodes about the fact that this isn't just an objective fact uh, for us. We have a first-hand connection with this truth. And so we're witnesses of that. And we are to be witnesses, very open witnesses. We're to be as a light. You know, don't put a cover over your light, shine as a light. And that looks like having conversations with people and uh, even, uh, you know, even sparking conversations might be asking them about what they think about things. And uh, we're in our society today, we've, we're pretty shallow in a sense. A lot of conversations rarely go to much depth, but it's good to uh, just to try to break through that veneer as well, sensitively, of course, otherwise it'll be yeah. awkward. But but that's the, uh, the the key thing is to not just shut down. We do need to have these conversations. And, and so as soon as we begin to have a conversation about faith, we are using reason. As soon as you use language, you're using reason. It talks about uh, you know, in, in the book of Acts, for example, it'll say, you know, it says that Paul reasoned with the Jews or that he reasoned with people, you know, through these things. But the thing is, when you reason, you always reason from something. Reason always has a departure point. There's always a premise upon which it reasons from. Right. No one has, no one reasons from no premise. Yeah. And whatever the premise you reason from, that premise itself cannot be established by reason. Mm. Uh, this is the important thing. This is where the closed system can't prove it itself. 
Um, so, you know, the, the idea that there's, you know, there's nothing outside of what can be sort of logically or, you know, empirically treated, Evident, you yeah. know, or, you know, well, the problem is, is that that worldview cannot itself really be rationally justified, you know. At the end of the day, we have to make a choice about what our premise is, what our worldview, what our story is. And obviously, I mean, people come up with with a premise that that you know tends to work best for them. Like to give to give you an example, I was having a conversation with someone, and I asked them, "I you know what 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 do you think about some? I forget the question about faith stuff, or you know, do you have any church background or something?" I put the question to them, uh, as as I like to do. I always like to ask people that question, and I'm interested in their response. And, you know, this person, very intelligent uh, person, obviously fairly well read, said, well, I, you know, I think that religion is a, is a sort of byproduct of an evolutionary process and, and that human beings came up with religion to explain things that they couldn't explain. And then, so he gave me the whole, the whole origin of religion yeah. kind of account. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. the interesting thing about that is that atheism isn't the conclusion of that. It's the premise of that. So, mm, yes. so atheism you know, he, he was trying to explain to me why he's an atheist, yeah. but it starts I, with the fact there isn't a God. So we're going to, there isn't a God. That's yeah. the fact. And we're inventing something to help us navigate questions we right. can't answer as opposed to asking the question, is there a That's God? That's right. So atheism or, or, or a closed world system was his, his premise, really. And that itself, again, uh, is is not, is just something that we, that we choose. Mm, yeah. And so. And a lot of people aren't. Even aware of the fact that they do choose that. Yeah. That's, that's right. That's a lot of people aren't even used to thinking. There's a lot of things that seem intuitively logical or reasonable or rational to us. Yeah. But we've never actually had anyone poke at them before and really make us think Question. about whether yeah. they are actually even reasonable mm. yeah. positions to hold. Yeah, that's right. And I guess what we do is that we start with certain premises. We start with the premise that there is... Uh, that there is a God who has revealed Himself to us. That is the, that is the premise upon which we have all of our conversations about mm. God. Not only that there is a God, but there is a God who has revealed Himself to us. And you know, without that premise, you know, you're just, yeah, you, you're pretty arbitrary, really. Mm. And uh, I guess when when we talk about faith, this comes back to the witnesses thing. We are believers because God has revealed himself to us. And I say us in the bigger sense of all humankind, God has revealed, but also to us personally by his yeah. Holy Spirit. Yeah. Now, again, you can't build a logical bridge to someone with that. Like if I, you know, if I wanted to prove, you know, a scientific theory to you about the way that, uh, you know, certain particles operate or, you know, um, whatever, then I can that that's a that's a matter of empirical fact and I can just demonstrate that and show you and it's all uh it's all pretty cut and dry relatively speaking mm-hmm. um but you can't really do that with uh with God and one of the one of the dangers is because of what we believe about God uh, is not just the the sort of the the invisible man in the sky idea which is that kind of deist or mm-hmm. almost what has been called monotheistic polytheism or something yeah. like a, right. you know like in in ancient polytheism you have all these gods like Zeus and Apollo and and uh, these uh these various gods and and in a sense 
sometimes it sounds like the way that Christians talk about God is that they've reduced it just to one of those. Mm. You know, so there's there's not all the others, but it's still like Zeus, yeah. you know, sitting up on his mountain in the sky. Yeah. And that's actually not what we think God God is. And yeah. and that's that's a view of God that often gets caricatured in in fact a lot of the the atheism that came out in the 2000s that was referred to then as the new uh, atheism was largely based on that idea, you know. And, and so people would say things like, well, uh, you know, you, you might as well posit the existence like of a flying purple people eater oh, and then mm-hmm. – but but we're not we're not positing the existence of some discrete being here. Mm. We're we're positing the existence of of the one from whom if our being yeah. is derived. You know, our being and consciousness, and yep. and uh, who is who is ever present in all things, and yet also transcendent, mm-hmm. and and so forth. Mm. Uh, so the problem is one of the problems with conversations that we've, this is what we've got what a we've got to watch out when we have conversations, particularly when it gets into a bit of a debate, a rational debate over thing, the existence of God. And this is where we get to apologetics. One of the cautions is that we don't lead people into this relationship with the question of God, where that becomes an object that they're standing outside of. This is this is really the big problem mm. with the kind of scepticism uh, that is really the most common in our uh, in our context, is that it's a it's a scientific kind of scepticism. Well, just give me the proof, and I'll mm-hmm. you know, and I'll mm. believe it. And you know, Hitchens famously said, "You need for an extraordinary claim, you need extraordinary evidence. Mm. For extraordinary claims, you need extraordinary." The extra, that, that's right. That's, that's the that's the quote. I think it was Hitchens. Yeah. So let's just just to analyze that for a moment. The problem with that is. He's talking very much in terms of quantity, like because it's extraordinary. Uh, yes, it is an extraordinary claim, and and by extraordinary, I would say we're not making a claim about the existence of, of a discrete empirical object. Hmm. So th- therefore, you just need an extra abundant you know, measure of empirical evidence to prove that, in, you know, because it's yep. an extraordinary, yep. extraordinary empirical disc- discrete empirical object. No. It's actually of a completely different nature, even. So it requires a different nature of evidence. Mm. And that this is the problem with that. People think, well, uh, so therefore I can demand extraordinary evidence from you, meaning that you have to come up with an extraordinarily good argument. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem with that is that that has you standing outside of the question of God as though you're God essentially trying to shape or referring to something that is you know, something that you're trying to grasp and sort of hand mm-hmm. over to someone nicely prepackaged and yeah. and tied up in a nice logical ribbon. But you ca- we can't do that because we're inside. We, mm. we are. Yeah, <laughs> right. We're inside this. We, we can't stand on the outside. And the danger is that when we have these logical arguments, this is the danger of some forms of apologetics, is that you've got people saying, well, you know, if God is real, put, you know, put the evidence before me, you know, so that I can see and and sort of circumscribe it intellectually and say, ah, yes, I can see that. And, you know, so therefore I can grasp that this is, you know, a logical idea. Now, by trying to prove that it is all very logical, that we we stand in danger of actually approving where they're standing, that, Mm -hmm. that, existential position, yeah, right. you know, almost pretending to stand the conceit of standing outside of reality and looking in mm. on the question of God. We've got to be careful that we're not encouraging that, yeah, uh, that point. detached 
Well, uh, it's like a bit of a trap. Approach. And this is the problem. Like if you're in your workplace, you've got to be a light. You can't hide who yeah. you are and what you believe. Yeah. And and you and inevitably there's opinions, you know, it goes back to our episode a few weeks ago about, you know, we've we've all got opinions and, and, and so on and we, yeah. we haven't really qualified to, to hold those opinions. So you're dealing with people with opinions, then you've people who have who are well read in atheism. And they've read the books, and they've they're compelled by the arguments that are presented, and they're looking for people to have that argument with, mm. and so they actually sort of grab hold of the discussion with the aim of driving you down this path of mm. of producing the evidence because they know that you can't produce the evidence within their f- framework that they're going to mm. take you down. So they kind of steer you down this road, and it's a trap. You're you're operating from their worldview and from the well, premise. You, you have from their from, premise. From that's that, right. That that premise, mm. and I know myself from sort of going down the road of really getting into apologetics and trying to get those rational arguments for myself as I've been questioning faith. Is it's just one thing after another, after another, after another? You think that you can get answers to all these questions yourself. You're just always one book away from understanding you know, how to explain this and how to explain that. And it just goes on and on and on. And so any result of those conversations is never really going to go anywhere mm. if that's the if premise. That, if that's the premise that you're going to have it from. So if you're in your yeah. workplace or whatever and you you're gonna invite discussions and conversations around that, it's difficult because you've yeah. got to firstly be on guard that you don't fall into that trap. But then what do you do? Yeah. Because then you end up in a philosophical discussions mm. and you have to sort of almost be uh, smarter than the person you're trying to argue with. Mm. Not that you should not, it's not really how it should work, but mm. that's how you feel. And you can easily get intimidated yeah. by somebody who's, who's able to out mm. think mm. you on the spot. You might have great answers for, you know, 15 minutes after mm. the conversation's ended, but on the spot, yeah. you know. So it, it's it's a hard thing to actually to get right. Just a couple of things on that, if I can, because yeah. I, I, you're spot on, and I think it is a real challenge. I think, if I can just say up front, probably one of the most important things before we even enter into an, a conversation with anyone about these mm. things is to make sure that our life actually matches what we're saying, mm. you know. That's the first and greatest yeah, witness. Yeah. No one's going to believe you if you're saying one thing, but the way they look at you, live your yeah, life, yeah. is completely different. Yeah. So that whole integrity of of living, you know, in a way that is honouring of Christ and his yeah. price paid. So I think that's an important thing because I've had conversations with people who have said, oh, I knew there was something different about you. I'm not saying I was a wonderful person, but they that shone first, mm. which opened the opportunity for the conversation w- yep. from a perspective where they're going, you clearly believe it. It's not just an argument you want yeah. to have here. <laughs> so I think which, is, which is not just a moralistic thing. No, too. it's not. It's that it's, they really feel loved by you yes. because, mm. because the big difference that, that God makes is that we look at people differently. We see people differently. They're mm. absolutely sacred. Mm. And, you know, and, and we treat people as absolutely sacred and we, yeah. and, and that's what love is. You know, we love them and, you know, that's, that's already a powerful, exactly. uh, a powerful witness. Yeah. Sorry, go on. And, and, the, and the second thing is, I think a lot of, particularly perhaps, the people who have done a lot of reading on the atheism, and this is a generalization, so so take this or leave this, but I think there's a vast number of those people who actually don't want it to be true. Yeah. So you're, it's not like they're trying to find the truth. 
They're actually just trying to prove their perspective. Mm. Most people don't enter those conversations, particularly those stronger atheists who have, as you said, read all the books, and they're actually not looking for the truth. They just want to prove their point. So, And they don't want God to be true because mm. that then throws everything for them. There's accountability. There's a whole heap of stuff. That- well, at a, at, a, at a deep level, that's true because essentially if if all people are in in sin as the yeah. as the and and by that it it doesn't mean that it, actually even that in a moralistic sense they're they're necessarily worse than us often. No, I mean, yes, totally. I yeah. mean, like in fact, I know uh, lots of non-Christian people. I think in a in a sort of moral sort of sense, <laughs> kind of mm. are far better people than me in a sense. But you know, the idea of being in in sin is a, is is a relational thing. It's yeah. uh, I guess there is this. Pre- deep protectiveness that we have of our autonomy mm-hmm. and people hold on to that with great vehemence and and uh, and and very protective of that i know that because i do right mm-hmm. because that's something that uh in through my christian uh walk and christian growth i've had to let go of my autonomy and that is the es- essentially what faith is it's yeah. it's completely surrendering yourself over and putting your life in god's hands and we're not want to do that because we're addicted to autonomy. And mm-hmm. so there's this deep motivation that people have for resisting this. And yet, I think reality works against that. So mm-hmm. the problem in our culture is that you, a lot of people just live in such a way that they don't give themselves the space. There's so much noise and busyness. Mm-hmm. And also, we're pretty comfortable society. And a lot of people just don't care. Mm-hmm. That's one of the mm-hmm. that's one of the problems. But I think there are moments in which they do care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think deep down they do care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The last thing I want to say to to wrap up that about the way we live <clears throat> is the way we therefore then have those conversations, regardless of how they are to us. We need to reflect, as you said before, yep. that we love these people. You know, so they might be slamming the doors and thumping the desk, and it might be that we go up and go, "Hey, look, I didn't want to." My goal was not to upset you. I just wanted to have a genuine conversation, you know, to to not let that have us respond in the same way, in a sense, and yeah. and and become you know pig headed about it. It's it's like that's where we can be a point of difference, and that's I think what starts to soften people to go, well, actually, mm. tell me a bit more about that. It, you know, it works both ways too, though, because I think as Christians too, we want to be right. Yes, you know, I think whether I come it was one of those new atheists said, you know, essentially, as a Christian. You are an atheist to every other religion out mm. there. The only real difference between me as a Christian and them as an atheist is I, they don't believe in sort of one more religion than me. I believe in mine, but yeah. but dis- disregard all all of the others, and and so yeah, I think uh, Hitchens said, uh, yeah, I just believe in one less God. Yeah, that's, yeah, right. that's right. So yeah. uh, and so I will also strongly defend. What I believe, and I think there's an element of that, a big element of that too, in okay. where where people are coming from as well. They they want to be right. I do believe they really do believe there is no God, and believing there there is a God is just completely intellectually. You have to be stupid to believe there's a God. I mean, all the evidence points to the fact that there isn't a God. You have to, and they would you're, say you're just not understanding. Hmm why you know you, you've been brought up this way or you you haven't read enough or there's some things you don't understand mm. and this is how they look at it with you so i don't think they're necessarily going i actually believe in god but i want to suppress it and then mm. that might be going on somewhere but i i think there is a genuine um i mean i had 
had a discussion with an, a hard, athe- hard atheist, and they said, I actually do wish it was true what you believe. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. It would make things just so much better, but I just cannot believe that. Yeah. Yeah. And that that position, again, comes from that closed that closed world system mm-hmm. that I just can't, you know, I can't believe. So, that, that response, I mean, it's interesting that Ian McGilchrist, who uh, is, is this um, philosopher slash mm. neurologist and has done all of this work on the brain and the way that the different sides sort of correcting old theories of left and right brain and talking about how left and right brain are two different processing systems. And he talks about the left brain as being as a closed processing system and the right brain being in this open, mm. uh, open system. And, and, you know, he talks about a lot of approaches to reality are and particularly in our culture it's very left brain oriented we like a closed system mm. and and i think what he shows is that at different points culture can nurture certain uh capacities even within the human brain and uh and he, he's his point is is that in our culture we're a very left brain culture we work in a closed yeah. you know we we prefer a closed system and and he talks about things situations like that as almost like a bit of a left brain tantrum mm-hmm. now the interesting thing is with that hardcore close what uh, charles taylor uh, the canadian philosopher charles taylor calls a closed world system which was characteristic of the new atheism so so that that reaction of what you know of it I, it's just it's just ridiculous i can't you know can't yeah. possibly believe it's true you know dawkins in his book the god delusion has a chapter that titled you know why christianity almost certainly isn't true and he basically he basically does a bit of a god of the gaps thing we've closed the gap so now we can explain anything we don't need god now it's so yeah. faulty as an argument because again it's 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 based on a deistic conception of god is out who builds a big machine and then and and that but now that we we can explain the big machine we don't you know there's no gaps for god that uh you know and we can explain that how the machine made itself and all of that is based on a really faulty idea of god that's one of the problems with that but it's also the closed nature of it because it cannot prove its own premise that was that in a sense was it's actually based on a positivistic philosophy that died out like in the in the 60s and 70s because it was acknowledged that this fact-based worldview uh you know that there's nothing except for tangible facts there's no reality outside of material reality that can't prove its own premise mm. you know it's that that yeah. method cannot yeah. you know the method can't prove itself and so uh, and so already uh, you know and, and I mentioned this before the the uh, atheistic philosopher John Gray s- says in his book he's got a book called seven types of atheism and he covers you know the different the different types, and he, and he more or less says that th- that new atheism is like an embarrassment to atheism because mm. it's just so that closed world system. You just can't mm. really acknowledge that. Mm. And and his form of atheism and the ath- the kind of atheism that is probably most acceptable that is you know that the philosopher uh, Thomas Nagel, for example, holds to. They've opened up their worldview and they they incorporate a lot of spiritual elements. They say that mind is the basic element of reality, not not matter. Now, mm. and now they don't try to even explain that. They just say this mm. goes outside of what what we can explain. Uh, you know, Thomas Nagel in his book Mind and Cosmos, he just honestly says, look. One explanation for this is this could be God. Mm-hmm. He said, I don't have, I can't 
put any arguments really against that. He said, I just have to be honest and say, I don't like that idea. Mm-hmm. And I think, and, and, you know, this is probably one of the world's leading philosophers. And I think it's a much more cautious approach. Yeah. Whereas the, the, what was known that new atheism, which is also known as scientific atheism is, is very philosophically naive. Mm-hmm. And it certainly is what, you know, um, McGilchrist who, who uh, is also that type of mm. McGilchrist isn't an, an atheist, but he, he has a uh, he believes in something mm. more like probably Brahman, like the, the the Hindu notion of God. So that kind of I just can't. There are problems with that. It's another way of saying I just won't actually. I, I you know because there's a holding on to a, this closed world system, yeah. which is what McGilchrist calls a kind of left brain tantrum. I can't yeah. if I can't grasp it. But right? if it doesn't make sense to me, then I'm not going to accept it. Yeah. And that's not can't, that's won't. Because, yeah. Yeah. again, it's our desire to, to uh, have this subject-object relationship with reality where reality is like this object that I can intellectually circumscribe and, and, and grasp when, uh, no, I don't think the best yeah. thinkers in the world have called that one out so the thing a is, long time ago. Then, you know, in having these conversations with people, you could go into it with the objective to try to answer all their questions and allow them to ask the questions and you just keep trying to provide answers. Yeah. But I think a better way of tackling that, which comes back to what you're just saying there, I, I, I think they won't let go of it, but I think they need to see the problem for themselves. The fact that it's not so much a question of evidence, but it's the fact that they won't let go of their idea or their, their worldview. Mm-hmm. Because in a lot of ways, especially if they've absorbed a lot of information from that new atheist style of thinking, they're heavily uh, invested in this naturalistic, scientific, evidence-based Yeah, because yeah, uh, that's the culture worldview. that we talk so, about cultural conditioning. Mm. That's, that's what we're being Totally conditioned yeah. into yeah. that. Yeah, they're really find those arguments really, re- and they are quite convincing. So yeah. I think one of the first things that I do I don't know. I just end up with all these atheists that I intend to attract. T- attract for some reason. A lot of them are angry and hostile, and just assume that I'm missing some key piece of information. And and whilst they recognise that I'm not completely dumb, they are confused as to how I've possibly accepted such irrational thinking. But what uh, my aim isn't to answer their questions. It's really to try to rock their worldview mm. to question bit, their answers and to get back to those premises <laughs> yeah. yeah to show them that they actually are uh, buying into uh, premises that they've never actually challenged yeah and they need to really think about why they hold those premises yeah, that's great yeah and and so whoever you're talking to there's some level of having to answer some questions but it's not allowing them to control a conversation, but more about trying to understand their worldview mm. and then you talking to them in a way to ask them questions back that makes them start to actually critically think their worldview. Mm. Because once they start to move their worldview, now you're starting to move them in a direction where you can have healthy conversations. Conversation, mm. yeah. As an example for, you know, talking to an atheist, they would demand all this extraordinary evidence. The other thing that you get in science is you can work with, there might be like three different theories on the table. None of them can be proven, proven. Mm. but one of them fits reality better. You can, you may not necessarily have the hard evidence that you need, 
but which worldview actually fits yeah. with explaining the reality of the world and how I engage with the world better. And then when you actually show them their naturalistic atheist worldview actually works counter to reality. When you're talking about love and relationships and value of human life and morality and things like that, it's an uphill battle for mm. them to reconcile that with how they feel about their family when they go home mm. at night. You know, the love that they feel for mm. their family and their children. Which is, is an experience of transcendence, essentially. Yeah. It's, a, it's the experience of a transcendent value. I mean, you're in the presence of something sacred and, and, the, and, the, and the love that they feel is uh, outside of dimensions that, that, that they can, you know, to say, it's, oh, it's just chemical reactions in the brain. And, but really? Or, yeah, you know, it's, is it's that just, how you view when yeah, you're- I'm just, you're, evolution is, as, as, you know, uh, you know what, what do they say about, like, it's, there's an evolutionary explanation for love. I can't remember uh, what it is, but it's all about offspring and, yeah. and your genes and everything. And, and you're it's like, come on. And you're happy, you know with, and you're happy that. with that explanation because you know that it's more than that. Yeah. You know it is. You know human life yeah. has a- a intrinsic value that is far more than just the yeah, atoms that that's make right. their. So I find they don't accept that, not at least on the surface, but somewhere along the line, you're kind of picking holes. You're making them think about it in a way that they haven't thought of, of it yeah. before. And so, you know, I've had arguments. Well, I've tried not to have arguments, discussions that, you know, once I lay those kinds of things down, I've had them before get really angry and start shouting and walk out and slam the doors and then mm. come back in and apologize. And you go through this, you know, these Cycle. little tantrums, really. And it's really hard to get through. But with those same people, I've also had conversations where they've, you've actually been able to get beneath that a bit. You know, we're talking about human value, for example. What makes my life, me, have any value or worth? And they, their question was, well, how does God fix that problem? And straight away, that's a good conversation yeah. to have yeah. because they're not taking control of the situation you're helping them see well think about value and worth and what does it look like you know from their perspective well okay well then how does god cause anything then to have value yeah. so now you're starting to talk about who god is and i think that opens up a whole you're no longer talking about evidence mm. you're revealing to them something about god that they've never thought about before i think that's a much mm. more healthy road to go yeah. down. I, I always try to lead away from just those debates about evidence. And yeah. I mean, and, and often I'll ask, you know, I'll say something like, just I put a hypothetical, if God is real, how would you know? And, and you know, they might say, well, he could, you know, turn up and then, yeah, but that's, that wouldn't be good because God is infinite and eternal and pervade, you know, and he's intangible and, mm -hmm. and he's not a discrete. So something, if a discrete thing, you know, appears in the corner of the room, that's, infinitely less than what God is. And so, yeah. you know, you're, you're well, experiencing yeah. an, an object and God is not an object. So, you know. Well, what about if Jesus, you could looked up and you saw him riding on the cloud, surely that would go, well, I would probably think that's probably the government testing out <laughs> some, testing some new technology out, you know, <laughs> or you could make it, you know, whatever it could be. Well, maybe it's just aliens, you know, there, there yeah. is, you, there yeah. is no yeah. physical evidence yeah. that you could. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think. I think it's it's it is absolutely worth recognizing that everyone you know when we have these conversations everyone 
argues from a premise. Mm. But but just going back to some of the basics, I mean, what is language for? And we've talked about this, you know, lang- we've talked about this before. Like l- languages have been given to us by God for relational purpose. It's a relational thing. We can't use our language to pull apart and dissect every aspect of reality. It's it's become this almost like this power tool for us. It's a way that we construct our own reality. Whereas Actually, language is a relational thing, and I think we've just got to be careful that we use it that way when mm-hmm. we're having conversations, that we keep it relational. Yeah. It's not a, I'm smarter than you. And, and honestly, I not think- Not as this a weapon. Is, yep, yeah. Totally. And some people listening might think, oh man, I just don't think I can have, I don't think I can have these sort of conversations. Now, I do think we need to be equipped to have some kind of conversation. It's yeah. no use just saying, oh yeah, I don't know. I mean- recognizing the mystery and the limitations of language and what we can do with language, that's not an excuse for not knowing and understanding what you believe. Right? Yeah. Uh, we need to give it, as the New Testament says, we need to give an answer for the hope that within, always be prepared to give an answer Spot for on. the hope uh, that is in you. And and some of that, Matt, could be just via, if you find it difficult to get into those the aspects yeah. of the conversation, it can be just a personal testimony, you know, yeah. knowing how to share your personal testimony. Yeah. Look, I don't know how to explain that, but this is what happened to me, yeah. you know, is, it, is sometimes a great place to start. You know? Yeah, and we don't even necessarily need to talk about an event or a no, that's you know, right because people can say, well, that could just be some psychological sort of yeah, thing. Of you could have just been, you know, I mean, we're we're actually living in a dynamic, ongoing relationship, mm-hmm. and and I think there's something to share in that, something to share in terms of how we live our life and talking about how we live our life fairly openly. I find that w- without necessarily trying to justify that, uh, and and often in rela- if I have ongoing relationships with people, I mean, if it's people, you know, in in your workplace or in your people that you see again and again, it's just the it's normalising that that's part of my life. This is how I live. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna I, this, you know, I, I pray about these things. I be- you know, it's 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 just modelling a life in relationship with God and being open about that with mm-hmm. with people not putting it too much on display or trying yeah. to artificially just know, being put genuine. it in every moment it's just it's actually about not hiding it as we would talk to each other you know mm-hmm. uh i think that's really important but it's you know it's it's important that we that we understand enough about our faith to be able to talk about it and that's where the testimony thing i think yep. is is important that it's about being open about the way that we live our lives and our relationship, our ongoing relationship with God. Um, but certainly there are moments when people question us where I think rather than trying to offer a philosophical justification, you know, I've often said the best apologetic is often good theology. I've done a lot of reading and work in apologetics. You know, I've taught apologetics as a subject at Bible college. And, and, and so therefore I've read a lot of, you know, stuff that's coming from a skeptical uh, point of view. A lot of the answers to the arguments coming from skeptics and non-believers are actually straightforward biblical answers. You know, like for example, I said with the, when I read Dawkins' The God Delusion, I'm thinking, well, that's not the biblical God. That's not the God that he's arguing against. Is not the God that I believe in. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And you know, even arguments about you know the problem of evil argument is quite a common mm-hmm. one. You know, yeah. how can an all-powerful, all-knowing, loving God exist in a world with yeah. you know gross evil and suffering? And mm-hmm. there's a biblical answer for that question. The biblical mm-hmm. narrative 
answers that question. I think it's the best answer to that question. Yeah. So it's it's a matter of understanding the biblical story, understanding mm-hmm. enough of what you believe to be able to say, oh, no, no, that's not actually what I believe. I don't believe that God is just, you know, Nothing. like the one less. Oh, well, I just believe, yeah. you know, there are all these gods and then I just believe. No, no, but see, that's not. That we we don't believe in gods that we we believe in one all pervasive, you know, got not a discrete being up in the sky somewhere. So, I think just knowing what you believe is a really big step forward in totally. having these yeah. conversations. Yeah. So that's understanding the theology and the the doctrine that you believe in, and being able to articulate it back in a way that people who are completely unfamiliar with it and hear it, and it actually because a lot of people are against. Christianity because of a perception. They've got a, a view of what we actually believe that's not true, that yeah. God is a, a narcissistic, genocidal. Again, Hitchens wrote that book, you know, God is not great. And it's, yeah, yeah. Or Stephen Fry is another one who is mm. often on the soapbox, you know, really making a strong case that if the Christian God exists, he's a very, very unpleasant mm. being that you really want nothing to do with. So people have, have this, have built up, a view of of God that isn't necessarily healthy either. And if you go mm. to the other, we've talked about atheists, but you go to people on the other end of the spectrum who are um, very spiritually open, but have gone down a different path, mm. you know, and, and so they've a much more satisfying to the human mind. mind as to what suits them. You know, God just loves everyone. I can't believe in a God who'd want to uh, have hell and punish us and say that, certain people are bad and some are good and mm. and uh, even put us into a world where we were exposed to evil and allows children. And I don't believe in that, that kind of God, so I want to believe in this kind of God. And they end up down other mm. paths. could be just their own version of some sort of spirituality, mm. which I've had discussions with people before and that and don't ascribe to any particular religion, religion, but they would say, well, look, I believe there's something I just don't know what it is and, and so on. Or you get others who have gone down a particular other road than another yeah. religion. And how you talk to those people is very different to someone who's an atheist. But the principle be, the principle's the same because it, it's yeah. understanding enough. If you understand your faith enough, I think you can have those sort of conversations because you you understand enough about God and the and the plan of God and how it yeah. unfolded to be able to at least talk through some of these those things and you also un- understand that what God wants the most is a relationship with us and mm-hmm. so you know the belief in just some God out there somewhere or you know I have this belief and it makes me happy mm. well that's not really the the point the point is are we in a right relationship with God? That's the mm. key question, really, from a biblical point of view. And, and so I think when we have conversations like that, even, you know, what you described about, you know, God being the monster that, you know, does all these terrible things. I mean, it doesn't take much of a, you know, I think even a basic understanding of the trajectory, the story of Scripture and the culmination of the self-revelation of God in Jesus Christ to debunk that idea. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. It just takes a decent biblical understanding to, have, to be able to say, oh, no, actually, that's not – yes, I understand there are these things there and, and you know, there's such a thing as evil and God hates evil, but that's because God mm-hmm. is good. And But we see God's goodness most commonly in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And if you want to know what God is like, hey, how about you read the Gospels? And It's the same principle I said before, like it's trying to change their worldview. Because with an atheist are trying to shake their worldview, and I think with someone who's already committed to, to going down some other kind of spiritual path, is changing their worldview because 
it's leading them to be open to consider the theology mm. behind Christianity. So it's like they they believe that it's all about love and loving each other and so on. But they also live in a world that's pretty broken and we mm. all cry out for something better and we know that it's broken. Mm. Mm. And you can have those kind of conversations, but... You know, there's a there's seeing things that are going on. That how mm. do you explain them? Like, mm. you know, is there a sense? Where does justice mm. fit in into mm. this, and and so on? That their worldview it might sit with them mm. well in their mind, but they haven't really thought about how does it line up with reality mm. yeah. in the world that we actually live in. And then that naturally, I think all of those worldviews, reality actually plugs back into the explanation that's in the biblical mm. worldview. Mm. Yeah. And and so it doesn't matter whether you talk about atheists or uh, a new ager, you know, there's there's some reality mm. that ultimate reality I think biblical worldview is a, is is probably the most powerful worldview to actually explain reality mm. and the doctrine that sits behind it and the answer to that reality. And I think it's being clear on what those connections are and what that doctrine mm. and how to explain it and connect mm. it to people, mm. to their worldviews, to try to lead them out of their worldview into yeah. a different... A different yeah. And you don't have to be an expert in that to start no. talking about no. faith stuff. No, that's right. Again, remember, we come, keep coming back to this. So any, Even if you've been a Christian for one day, you have a testimony, you have something to share. Mm. And there's something powerful about that testimony. Remember, it's real. It, you know, God is within us. The Holy Spirit uses our witness to open things up in people's hearts. So don't think it it's going to rest on the power of your arguments or no, your superior right. biblical knowledge. Or it doesn't. It's not resting on that. Actually, your witness, you are carrying something powerful, and that has that has an effect. It's th- that's where I like the idea of a light. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there is a light within you. Just be open, talk honestly about it, and I think. There's a spiritual intuition that that taps into. And as God opens their hearts, that's going to turn lights on within them. And I think that's where it's really important that all of these conversations, as I think you said, Matt, these conversations all need to be had in the key of love. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like the minute we become combative and all we're yeah. trying to do is prove them wrong, we've actually defeated ourselves in yeah. some ways. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's got to be done in the key of love because yeah. it actually matters. We actually care about your life here and your life in eternity. Yeah. That's why we're having this conversation, not mm. just to slap you down and tell yeah. you you're wrong and I'm right. When I used to have convers, I would be quite combative with some atheists and I wanted to have an answer for everything. And then you find yourself starting to make stuff up to try to answer them and, and so on. Even with your own testimony, making stuff up mm. because mm. maybe I wasn't, it wasn't lining up yeah. to the reality that I thought it's almost like I need to defend God, God yes. you know, because yeah. my relationship with God isn't actually all that great. And I don't really want to tell this person what it's really like. So I have to present a, a version of an kind of, and, yeah. and I would find myself doing that when when now i think i would much more able to say look i don't know i don't know i don't know this is me my own faith journey and the things that i struggle with and there's all these questions that i have about god myself there's a sort of an authenticity in that yeah but it also frees me of the responsibility of having to have all of those answers because i don't need to defend god mm. i don't need to feel like i've got to rush in there and come to his rescue god can defend himself you know i don't need to in the sense of i don't need to defend god for what he has or hasn't done 
you know, it's it's like mm. if if somebody's seen somebody and that they, they've seen Christians praying for someone and they they died, I don't need to defend God. Yeah, and yeah. if they become an atheist as a result of that, that's not my problem. All yeah. I can do is tell you what God is to me in the journey, mm-hmm. and even with all its warts as well, totally the bumps advanced. along the road. I don't need to dress it up. Yeah. And I can talk about my struggles. And also, there's lots of questions that I, I don't know and can't answer. And I think that's a very disarming thing. But at yeah. the same time, I need to be able to present some kind of intelligent response that shows that I haven't arrived at this just because I was brought up to yeah. believe it. <clears throat> yeah. That I have actually- Or I've reasoned through it and that's yeah. how I got there. Yeah. yeah. And and so I have thought about these things. Because mm. often having these conversations with atheists, they think that I just haven't thought about it. Mm. And so I've actually thought about it a lot more than what they have. If they even just get that message without even answering all of the the fact that I have thought about it, and this is where I've ended up, Mm. you know, I've had them before say to me, you are the most skeptical, rational thinking, Mm. you know, you're intelligent, Mm. does my head in that you believe Mm. this stuff. Mm. That in itself is probably the most strongest Mm. challenge of my own testimony Mm. is the fact that. They recognize I'm I'm a real cynic, real skeptical, test every idea, rationalize everything. Mm. And then when it comes to this, I actually believe that there's a God and I have my faith in him. Mm. That in itself is a presents a real conundrum mm. for them mm. to, to yeah. wrestle with. Yeah. We had someone we had someone post a comment on the Thrive Today TV Facebook page as a comment saying, I can't understand how seemingly intelligent people still believe the stuff you know mm. exactly that point mm. yeah you know and and that is that is our testimony yeah, i mean and, and in fact yeah some of the most intelligent people in the world out there you know are you know very strong christians and you know one of the things that i that i try to in in conversation i love having faith conversations mm. with people but i always try to bring it back to that relational core God is inviting us into a relationship with himself and that's made possible through Jesus Christ. This is why I this is why I believe this and I have this relationship with God and it's it is the core of my life. I don't claim to have got it all right. I'm quick to say I've fallen short and you may well be a better person than me. I'm not uh, even if I'm talking, you know, when when questions about, you know, sexual ethics and all of these things come up, you know, which is a hot button issue. I just explain, well, well for me this is what I this is why I think. I'm not telling you what to do, right? Mm-hmm. I'm that that's to take the combative thing out, you know. I believe that you know human beings are sacred and and you can't just do whatever we want with something that is sacred and and so so this is why I choose to you know draw a tight circle around this and and I think by bringing that testimonial angle to it and sharing you know personally in the context of a conversation where someone feels loved and valued where you're interested in them as well you know I think it can be a wonderful experience of course people will reject that that'll happen it's all it's always happened i don't think that we should then stop say oh you know it's like wipe the dust off our feet and sort of sometimes it, you just need to let it go sometimes mm-hmm. there is this okay I, I'm, it's probably not going to be fruitful to keep having this discussion but i think in most cases we need to be prepared to lift the lid on this aspect of reality and, and it might be over a number of conversations yeah it might be I, over I a think number we, of conversations we sometimes yeah. want to get 
to the end yeah, yeah. in this first conversation. It's just, as you said earlier, Connell, sowing the seed where they then might come back and ask another question and you just got to go at the speed of them. Yeah, that's not, right. Not at the speed of trying to get to the finish yeah. line. And know? we've got to remember, people aren't used to often discussing these things. And so, you know, perhaps we, we just need to sow in some things and if we continue the discussion that's great i mean look i've often it's been at you know at a, at a wedding where i'm just talking to some random person or some other event you know and and you're never probably going to see that person again and because i know that i'm probably never going to see this person again. it's not like i'm i have to jam the four spiritual laws in but i personalize it and share whenever i share my testimony it's relational i'm pointing to jesus and I'm praising God. Of course, it's going to come back to that because I'm not going to try and win an argument. You know, they might ask questions and I will, you know, refer to the biblical story or to Christian beliefs to, to help. And, but I'll always say, look, why don't you look into this? I would really encourage you read a gospel. If you haven't read a gospel at one point in your life, I think it's really important to do this. And I'll often point them to the gospel of Luke and just so that they can go. There's a challenge there. You know, here's something, you know, here's something to do. Mm. You know, maybe why not, why not go, go along to church with that friend of yours that, that, you know, or or just keep you know keep an keep an open mind. It's worth looking into. You know, what can you lose by looking into it? But by not looking into it, you can lose everything. And I think just that little bit of being prepared, for a little bit of a challenge, mm. a little bit of a pathway uh, forwards, and always in the key of love. Listeners, if this episode has inspired some questions you'd like to ask, don't hesitate to jump on our website, thrivetoday.tv. And uh, there's a place there where you can lodge a question. We'd love to see those questions come in. We did a Q&A episode not so long ago, and, and there were some great questions raised there. So again, uh, thrivetoday.tv, go to our website. We'd love to see uh, some questions you might have around this conversation or any of the conversations we've had through this Worldview series. Mm-hmm.